Well, good morning. It is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Slava Ukraine, Heroium Slava, PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Tell your friends to Google those four words, Political Views TV Podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. Can I just say how much I appreciate you? I hope it's okay. I really do. Thanks for coming every day. If you can, uh, bring someone with you today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. And you can tweet to me or X to me or whatever it is to me. Questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly known as Twitter. Hump day, hump day, if you care. Let's start as we usually do with the war in Ukraine. Got a lot on Ukraine today. Earlier today, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that support for Ukraine was strong and would continue. Of course, he's over there. So when I say earlier in today, earlier today, uh, that was like late last night. But it was earlier, to, you know, the time travel and all that other stuff. Um, it said that the support for Ukraine was strong and would continue as NATO foreign ministers met Ukrainian officials in Brussels to discuss the war. He, uh, uh, he told reporters, I have to tell you, listening to all of our colleagues around the table, every single one expressed strong enduring support for Ukraine. Some are questioning whether the United States and other NATO allies would continue to stand with Ukraine as we enter the second winter of Putin's brutality. But the answer here today at NATO is clear and it's unwavering. We must and we will continue to support Ukraine. He insisted the United States is not standing alone. So we often talk about burden sharing and the imperative of burden sharing when it comes to Ukraine. That's clearly what we've seen and what we continue to see. That's what he said. Uh, Ukraine says it will keep on fighting Russia and will not back down despite doubts about U.S. support and minimal progress on the front line. Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuliba said, We have to continue. We have to keep fighting. Ukraine is not going to back down. Our strategic goal which is territorial integrity within internationally recognized borders as of 1991, remain unchanged and nothing will stop us. The issue here is not just Ukraine's security. It is the security and safety of the entire Euro-Atlantic space. <clears throat> I, I will say on the, uh, um, the 1991 borders, way back then, Russia made an agreement that they would respect Ukraine's borders. Apparently, they broke the agreement. They made several agreements, even one just before it invaded Crimea. But they did it anyway. You can't trust Russia with anything they, they promise. You really can't. They, they say they won't go further than Ukraine. But can you really trust them? No, of course you cannot. Because they've lied before. They, they'll lie again. Uh, Maria Zakharova, spokesperson for the Russian ministry, said, I can confirm there are a lot of requests for bilateral meetings and there will be multilateral meetings. Russia says it received a lot of requests for one-on-one -on -one meetings with Foreign Minister Sergei Lapdog Lavrov on the sidelines of the OSCE meeting in North Macedonia. 
Uh, that's the meeting uh, yesterday. Uh, Ukraine, Latvia, and Estonia and uh, Lithuania said they would boycott because of Lavrov's uh, planned attendance. Uh, we expected a response to Finland uh, closing its border completely to Russia. The Kremlin slammed Finland's decision to close off all of its border crossing points with Russia saying the decision was unjustified. Kremlin spokespuppet Dmitry Pesky Peskov told reporters today, Finland is not threatened by anyone or anything. And in this case, this is, of course, an absolute redundant measure to ensure border security because there is no threat there. And in reality, there is no tension. Finland made the decision to close the border after repeatedly accusing Russia of purposely sending undocumented migrants through the crossing points in a bid to create instability in Finland. Helsinki seized the hybrid uh, attack operation as it has described it as retaliation for its joining NATO earlier this year. Russia denies weaponizing migration and accusation, accusation, the accusation made by Finland and other countries, including Estonia and Latvia, there have been media reports today that Poland plans to send troops to Finland's border with Russia in an effort to shore up security there. Kremlin spokespuppet Dmitry Pesky Peskov told reporters this is an absolute redundant measure to ensure border security because there is no threat there. There is no tension in reality. That is why tension may arise during the concentration of additional units on our border because the Finns must be clearly aware this will pose a threat to us, an increase in the concentration of military units on our borders. Because you lie on everything. You promise you're not doing anything, but then you do it. Oh, man. Uh, Sweden's foreign minister said Turkey, Turkey, yay, has said it could ratify its much-awaited accession to the NATO military alliance within weeks. NATO member Turkey raised objections to Sweden's applications, accusing Sweden of harboring individuals it deems to be terrorists. Hungary has also dragged its feet about ratifying uh, Sweden's accession. Uh, We've talked about this numerous times. Uh, Swedish Foreign Minister Tobias Bilstrom told reporters, I had a bilateral with my colleague, the Turkish Foreign Minister, where he told me he expected the ratification to take place within weeks. Hungary's foreign minister said yesterday that Budapest would never deliver weapons to Ukraine to help it fight Russia, help it fight Russia's invasion, saying Hungary wanted peace in the region. Sajarto added that Hungary's prime minister, Viktor Orban, I, you know him as the traitor, Viktor Orban met with Russian President Putin in October to see if I hate the sirens, don't you? Uh, uh, met with Russian President Vladimir Putin in October to see if there is scope for peace in the ongoing conflict. Despite being a member of the EU, Hungary has maintained friendlier ties with Russia, pushing back against European sanctions on Moscow and against efforts to curb Russian oil and gas imports. You know, Hungary... I, if there was only an easy way to kick people out of the EU or NATO, you know what I'm saying? 
or the UN, but I guess it is the UN. Everyone's invited. Uh, <clears throat> Russia's defense ministry claimed today that its forces had taken control of a village on the outskirts of the war-torn town of Bakhmut in Donetsk in eastern Ukraine. The ministry said units of its southern group of forces had liberated the village of Artemovsky, uh, Artemovskoya, called, uh, uh, it's called uh, Kromove in Ukrainian, uh, in what Russia calls the Donetsk People's Republic. The self-proclaimed republic and pro-Russian separatist region, uh, the, the ministry said, units of the southern group of forces with the support of aviation and artillery fire improved the situation along the front line and liberated liberated the village of Artema uh, Maskov uh, Skoye, uh, or as I said, Kromovi. Russian Defense Ministry says its Black Sea Fleet launched an attack with four cruise missiles on Ukrainian military uh, infrastructure. It said on Telegram, the crew of a frigate of the Black Sea Fleet received a task of launching a strike with a caliber cruise missiles in the shortest possible time against enemy military infrastructure. The ministry added the designated targets were hit. Uh, Russia fired 21 attack drones and three cruise missiles on Ukraine. The Air Force said the Shahid 136 suicide drones were heading towards the uh, Kamelinsky region and the missiles for the southern part of Ukraine. I guess that's the Melanitsky uh, region. Uh, all the unnamed aerial vehicles and two missiles were destroyed before reaching their targets. Uh, they said while the third missile was not uh, hit, it did not reach its destination. Four police officers were killed and another 18 people wounded in a Ukrainian HIMARS strike on a police station in the Russian-controlled part of Ukraine's Kherson region. Russian state news agency TASS quoted a local police spokesperson as saying five police officers were critically wounded in the strike on the facility in the village of Yuvelinye. Uh, on Avdivka, Alexander uh, Tarnovsky, the Ukrainian commander responsible for the territory, said the enemy has significantly increased its activity. It is using armored vehicles, nearly 20 airstrikes, 1,000 artillery rounds, and four missiles were launched along with 56 ground assault waves. He claimed Ukrainian forces were firmly holding the line along the Avdivka front. Governor uh, Alexander Prokudin, uh, Produkin of Ukraine's uh, Kherson region says over the past day, Russia carried out 128 attacks and fired 778 shells from mortars, artillery, grads, tanks, UAVs, and aviation. On Telegram, he said the enemy fired 21 shells at the city of Kherson. Uh, the Russian military aimed at the residential quarters of the populated areas of the region. Administrative buildings in the Bereslav district Due to the Russian aggression, four people were injured. A Russian court has ordered a man to be jailed for 10 days after he, he used his finger to write no to war on a snow-covered turnstile at the entrance to an ice skating rink at, the Moscow's, uh, at Moscow's Gorky Park. Uh, police, uh, Gorky Park, I think, wasn't that a movie? I think that was a movie with uh, Schwarzenegger, right? 
I think. Uh, police decided his actions could amount to civil offense under a law which targets anyone deemed to have acted publicly to discredit Russia's armed forces, a crime which in the, his case was punishable by a fine. It's not like he wrote the words with yellow snow. You know, he used his finger. Now that I have your attention, let's move on. Let's try and fix the rest of the world. Uh, All those illegally detained Palestinians in Israel who are being held without fair trial that we talked about yesterday have a voice in Congress, but she risks her career to speak up. Yesterday, Democratic uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib called for the release of all hostages and political prisoners currently held in Israel and Gaza after the U.S. House passed a resolution demanding that Hamas immediately free hostages taken during last month's deadly attack. Tlaib, who voted for the resolution, said the failure of many of her colleagues to urge Israel to release Palestinians who have been jailed without charge or trial demonstrates their refusal to view Palestinians as equal human beings who deserve the same rights, freedom, and human dignity. Just as we said yesterday, uh, obviously, I don't know what you think. I only know what I think. But I say we as the collective we. And that is the Hamas attack was horrible. The deaths and kidnappings were horrible. But also the continued apartheid and jailing of Palestinians without trial is also horrible. That's what I say. Tlaib said, Every innocent civilian should be released and reunited with their family, no matter their faith or ethnicity. I will continue to call for the releases of all hostages, as well as the innocent Palestinians who were arbitrarily detained and being held by the Israeli government indefinitely without charge or trial. Before the October 7th attack, Israel was holding more than 1,300 Palestinians in administrative detention. But then, in the wake of the attack, Israeli authorities arrested thousands of additional Palestinians, presumably, I think, as leverage to get back their hostages. Under a deal that Israel and Hamas reached last week, dozens of Palestinians and Israelis have been freed from captivity during the fragile humanitarian pause. But as Al Jazeera reported, Israel arrested nearly as many Palestinians as it released during the first four days of the pause. This doesn't include the people they've murdered in the West Bank. Israel keeps upping its crimes to deal with Palestinians. The Israeli military has described all of the Palestinians it has freed under the deal with Hamas. Many of them children. They've described them as terrorists. Jeremy Scahill of The Intercept said of the 300 names Israel proposed for potential release, 233 of them have not been convicted of any crimes. They are categorized simply as under arrest. Scahill wrote, the Netanyahu government and its supporters have promoted a narrative that these prisoners are all hardened terrorists who committed violent crimes. This assertion relies on farcical, Alice in Wonderland inspired logic of convicting them by flat 
in public before any trial, even the sham trials to which Palestinians are routinely subjected. Israel released a list of names with alleged crimes they committed. And who is making these allegations? Come on. A military that acts as a brutal... He went on. A military that acts as a brutal occupation force against Palestinians in the West Bank. Israel is asking the world to believe that these 300 people are all dangerous terrorists. Yet it has built a kangaroo military court system for Palestinians that magically churns out a nearly 100% conviction rate. As we discussed uh, Monday, was it? I don't know. I'm just getting swarmed with noise today, aren't I? Um, 100% conviction rate, just as we mentioned. Uh, Scahill added, all of this from a country that constantly promotes itself as the only democracy in the Middle East. And as we said, Israel, as you and I said, Israel is not a democracy. It's been backsliding for decades. And this Israeli apartheid against Palestinians, the separation of Palestine from, from uh, Gaza, not allowing that, oh, this is not a democracy. Yesterday, Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan, the guy that sounds like a Lord of the Rings villain, told United, uh, United States, uh, excuse me, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres that Israel must be held accountable in international courts for what he called war crimes it committed in Gaza. In a phone call ahead of the UN Security Council meeting on Gaza planned for today, Erdogan and Guterres discussed the expectations of the international community regarding Israel's unlawful attacks, access of humanitarian aid into the enclave, and efforts for lasting peace. The Turkish presidency said, uh, during the call, Erdogan said, Israel continues to shamelessly trample on international law, the laws of war, and international humanitarian law by looking in the eyes of, in, of the international community, and it must be held accountable for the crimes it committed in front of international law. Turkey has harshly criticized Israel's attacks on Gaza and called for an immediate ceasefire to allow for discussions over a two-state solution to the wider Israel-Palestinian conflict. Erdogan has called the Israeli attacks on Gaza a genocide and accused Israel of being a terror state. Israel rejects the charges and says it is acting in self-defense against a foe bent on its destruction. Erdogan also called Netanyahu the butcher of Gaza, and the name is sticking. Israeli forces have killed a nine-year-old Palestinian boy and a 15-year-old teenager during a raid in the Jenin uh, refugee camp in the occupied West Bank. That's in, northern, uh, in the West Bank in the northern part of it. A disturbing footage shows the moment Adam al-Ghul and Basel Abu Wafa were shot by Israeli forces. It comes after Israel's army raided Jenin for hours and declared the area a closed military zone. The nine-year-old shot in the back was playing soccer, or as they said, football. 
Uh, Israel claims they killed two terrorist leaders separately. I saw the video. Don't let Israel lie to you about it. No capture or assassination of leaders justifies killing a nine-year-old boy playing soccer. Absolutely not. Moving on. Uh, We're going into the United States. Uh, House Republicans are pinning their hopes on a last-minute resignation from Representative George Santos to avoid what one top Republican said would be tough votes on expelling him. It's amazing that they're having tough votes to expel George Santos. I I mean, they only have a four, uh, what is it, a four-vote lead? Something like that? Uh, This would uh, narrow it to a three-vote lead. Uh, um, Santos has said he will refuse to resign. Two House Democrats, Representative Robert Garcia from uh, California and Dan Goldman of New York, introduced what is known as privileged motion to force a vote on their resolution, forcing the GOP's hand by ensuring that an expulsion vote will take place tomorrow, making it privileged. Last night, after a meeting with Speaker Mike Johnson, we talked about the privileged vote yesterday, remember? Uh, Last night, after the meeting with Speaker Mike Johnson uh, and other top Republicans, uh, Republican Study Committee Chair Kevin Hearns uh, from Oklahoma described multiple phone calls between Johnson and Santos. Hearns said the two have had conversations up until recently, even a half an hour ago, about the right thing would be for him to examine uh, the position and resign. Hearn added that Johnson told lawmakers in the meeting that resignation would be certainly an option that would prevent a lot of people from having to take some very tough votes. I think Santos would resign with... This is me saying this. I think Santos would resign if he got a pension but at this point, that is likely off the table. You're supposed to be in five years before you get a, 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 tension, a pension. Uh, Representative uh, Lisa McLean from Michigan, the secretary of the House Republican Conference, said there is quite a bit of debate back and forth among Republicans about whether Santos has been given due process. They... Um, They pointed to Bob Menendez in the Senate, who has not been expelled after his indictment. Nearly all Democrats want Menendez removed, but they haven't done it. So if Santos gets removed, will Republicans suddenly take the high chair and be seen as honest dealers? What do you think? Could that happen? (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, Also, previous expulsions happened after convictions. Neither Menendez or Santos have been convicted, though Santos was the subject of that bombshell ethics committee report. Because of that report, even Santos expects an expulsion vote will likely succeed if it comes to the floor. Santos told reporters that Johnson asked in their phone call on Tuesday how I was going, how I was doing, and if I made my decision. Uh, meaning on resignation, and, and and that he replied, yes, put up or shut up. That's what Santos said. He said, all these members are pushing this. They want me to resign because they don't want to take this tough vote. 
that sets the president precedent to their own demise in the future. In other words, he's saying that if they vote against him uh, uh, before he's been uh, um, convicted, um, then anybody could be uh, tossed out of the house if it just looks like impropriety. That's basically what he's saying. But he's way worse than, than any of that. Uh, several members of the right-wing Freedom Caucus has said they won't vote uh, for expulsion, including representatives Troy Neals of uh, Texas, Byron Donald of Florida, and Clay Higgins of Louisiana. It'll be interesting how many in the Freedom Caucus vote against it. Mike Johnson says that the vote is scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, Liz Cheney's new book, Oath in Honor. Yes, she has a uh, new book. It's going to be released December 5th. Please don't buy it for me. Uh, the book seems to paint a particularly broad, uh, broad brush on Republicans and their enabling of Donald Trump. She condemned her former, former colleagues and party leaders as enablers and collaborators who, after the 2020 election, were willing to violate their oath to the Constitution out of politically ex, uh, political expediency and loyalty to Donald Trump. The book is an unflinching account of what Cheney calls the GOP's cowardice and how so many were willing to support former President Donald Trump, who she calls the most dangerous man ever to inhabit the Oval Office. Cheney really goes after former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who she says told her that Trump knew he'd lost the election. Cheney is also critical of McCarthy's successor, House Speaker Mike Johnson, who, as she put it, appeared especially susceptible to flattery from Trump and aspired to being anywhere in Trump's orbit. The book serves both as a roadmap, roadmap laying out how Cheney realized in the days and weeks following the election the dangers of what Trump and his allies were trying to do to overturn the 2020 election, as well as a stark warning that she believes the checks and balances of the Constitution will not hold if Trump is reelected in 2024. She said, as a nation, we can endure damaging policies for a four-year term, but we cannot survive a president willing to terminate our Constitution. Drawing from real-time text messages, emails, calls, and meetings, as well as personal conversations, Cheney calls out her Republican colleagues as hypocrites who knew Trump lost but did his bidding anywhere. Anyway, and says their complicity is a threat to democracy. Uh, Cheney, Cheney wrote, So strong is the lure of power that men and women who had once seemed reasonable and responsible were suddenly willing to violate their oath to the Constitution out of political expediency and loyalty to Donald Trump. Cheney has vowed to do whatever is necessary, uh, necessary to stop Trump from returning to the White House, including leaving, leaving open the door to a 2024 presidential run herself. If Trump is, part, is the party's nominee, Cheney has said she will leave the GOP. Cheney reveals for the first time that McCarthy told her just two days after the election day 
that he had talked to Trump and that Trump acknowledged he had lost the 2020 election. McCarthy said he knows it's over. Then that same day, McCarthy went on Fox News and said President Trump won the election. Cheney said McCarthy knew that what what he was saying was not true. Cheney also said during a GOP conference call, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan was dismissive of the legal process for challenging the election results and didn't seem to think the rules mattered. Jordan said, the only thing that matters is winning. Just add these guys on your list of people that need to be taken out next election. If they last that long. Uh, Cheney said McCarthy. Oh, I already did that part. Uh, Jordan said, the only thing that matters is winning. Uh, Cheney discloses for the first time that on January 4th, she was accidentally included on a White House surrogate call. She was alarmed as she listened in as Trump allies detailed specific plans to try to overturn the election by getting then-Vice President Mike Pence to obstruct or delay the counting of electoral votes. Cheney says she left the Capitol that night with a terrible feeling in the pit of her stomach, not sure if Pence would withstand the pressure from Trump. She said, I didn't know if we could count on him. Cheney writes, uh, uh, wrote that and discloses that former House Speaker Paul Ryan also had doubts about Pence. In a text message shortly after midnight on January 5th, Ryan wrote to Cheney, I worry he breaks, but think he will not. During the insurrection, Cheney wrote, Jim Jordan approached me. He said, we need to get the ladies off the aisle and put out his hand saying, let me help you. Okay. <laughs> Let's set aside this obvious sexism for that move. Like she can't take care, take, can't take, this is Liz Cheney. She can take care of her damn self. Uh, Cheney says, I swatted his hand away and said, Get away from me. You fucking did this. She recounts how a GOP colleague who she doesn't, she doesn't name the book, um, probably because he's, he's still there, told her he knew what Trump had done was impeachable, but he was afraid that voting to impeach would put his wife and new baby in danger. Cheney wrote, I absolutely understood his fear, but I also thought perhaps you need to be in another job. And then maybe something that will be used against Fox News and the multitude of lawsuits against them. Cheney said she also condemned right-wing media for amplifying the disinformation coming from Trump and his allies. She notes that she urged Ryan, a member of the Fox Corp board, to push for a show on Fox News debunking the election lies. She said several months later, I heard the show had been in the final stages of production when it was shut down. Someone at Fox had apparently decided not to finish it. The show never aired. Instead, she writes, Fox let then-host Tucker Carlson spread intentional disinformation about January 6th. Then came the January 6th committee. She said at first she wasn't comfortable, but Cheney writes that the Pelosi team pulled together a list of the 10 worst things I had ever said about her. Liz Cheney is saying this. 
Speaker Pelosi took one look at the list, handed it back to her staffer, and asked, why are you wasting my time with things that don't matter? This is Pelosi saying that. She doesn't care about partisan politics when it comes to saving democracy. She said, why are you wasting my time with things that don't matter? It was an unexpected alliance, but Cheney says Pelosi always backed her up, and in turn, she was immediately impressed by Pelosi's leadership. She said, we may have disagreed on pretty much everything else, but Nancy Pelosi and I saw eye to eye on the one thing that mattered more than any other, the defense of our Constitution and the preservation of our republic. Which apparently, of course, Republicans don't want to defend because democracy has no place in fascism or dictatorships. Uh, that's what I said, not, not Liz. <clears throat> Cheney's book ends with a chilling warning for 2024 that Donald Trump is dangerous for the future of the country. Cheney writes, Trump has told us that he thinks the Constitution can and should be suspended when necessary that would hap uh, that what happened on January 6 was justified that in a second Trump presidency he would seek retribution the assumption that our institutions will protect themselves is purely wishful thinking by people who prefer to look the other way we have also now learned that most Republicans currently in Congress will do what Donald Trump asks, no matter what it is. I am very sad to say that America can no longer count on a body of elected Republicans to protect our republic. Every one of us, Republican, Democrat, Independent, must work and vote together to ensure that Donald Trump and those who have appeased, enabled, and collaborated with him are defeated. Just to be clear, this is a far-right Republican saying the, that most of the Republican Party should be purged. There is so much more in the book, but as I said, don't buy it for me. I'm sure... Trump will have something to say about Liz Cheney's book in the coming days. I look forward to laughing at it. <clears throat> Moving on. Uh, so Biden and his administration, being great friends with big oil, has gone as far as to hide what it is doing. This is what the Biden administration is doing. Because Biden wants to be seen as an environmental president while he does a lot of things running counter to the environment. Yesterday, a national con conservation group sued the administration for failing to respond to a public records request pertaining to the Interior Department's dismissal of a petition that called for a phase-out of oil and gas extraction on federal lands and waters by 98% by 2035. The department rejected the petition earlier this year, claiming that it has a robust rulemaking agenda already underway to address the climate crisis and implement reforms to our conventional energy programs and doesn't have adequate resources to undertake the proposed rulemaking at this time. In other words, 
Don't bother me with real changes. We're too busy pretending we're doing something about it. That's basically the translation. The administration reply came after the Center for Biological Diversity sued the administration for not responding to the petition for more than a year. In July, the Center for Biological Diversity requested that the Interior Department turn over records related to the agency's deliberations about the fossil fuel phase-out petition and its response. The new lawsuit states... At the time of the filing of this complaint, over 130 days have passed since the center submitted its FOIA request to the Interior, uh, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, To date, however, Interior has not provided any requested records. According to the center, challenges Interior FOIA violations resulting from its failure to respond to the center's request and seeks declaratory and injunctive relief to require Interior to promptly search for and produce all responsive records without further delay. And by law, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request, must be handled within 20 working days. It's 130 days. 130, uh, well, 130 days, which is like 100 uh, working days. As we've discussed, the Biden administration has been uh, been nothing but a friend to big oil. Under Biden's leadership, U.S. crude oil production is on pace to surge to a record 12.9 million barrels this year. During his first two years in office, the Biden administration approved more than 6,400 permits for oil and gas drilling, exceeding the number of approvals during former President Donald Trump's first two years in office. This means that the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, the act touted for its support of the environment, is just basically a wash. And it continues. Global, the, the warmest year on record. Next year, I, I thought it might be this year. But maybe still this year, maybe in Australia or something this winter. 140 degree temperatures. Will that happen? We are in grave danger and, and, and no administration is listening. And now the threat of Republicans becoming, uh, 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 getting into office. This is extremely dangerous uh, time in, in for Earth. <clears throat> and more uh, uh, global warming news. Uh, more moisture in the atmosphere, of course, causes this. Significant winter weather hit communities across the interior northwest in the United States this morning. As expected, more than 40 inches of snow fell over the past two days over parts of the Great Lakes and interior north- northeast in the first significant lake effect snow event of the season. The heaviest snowfall was recorded at uh, Constableville, uh, New York, where 42.7 inches landed. By the way, winter has not started yet. A forecast earlier today said the areas most affected would be south and southeast of Lake Erie before the snow then shifts north. This morning was also the coldest of the season so far for much of the East Coast, including as far south as Florida, with New York City reaching the frosty upper 20s. Ooh, it's balmy there. 
Uh, this is primarily lake effect snow, but would not be this bad without an already saturated atmosphere due to global warming, of course, as usual. And you know it. Uh, hump day, hump day. Uh, I, I hope you're having a good week. Uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Wednesday. November 29th, 2023. Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Boy, do I appreciate you coming every day. Bring someone with you today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Those four words. Tweet to me or X to me. Questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly known as Twitter. And remember, always remember Government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget that. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.